Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco Business. My guest today is Katherine Turner Pearson, a registered professional archaeologist and the owner of Central Texas Archaeological Resources. A modern-day Indiana Jones, Catherine talks about uncovering the geographical and archaeological history of Central Texas and previews plans for the reopening of the Helen Marie Taylor Waco History Museum. But first, let's hear what's happening downtown. The red carpet is being rolled out in Waco this weekend, and our downtown business reporter, Debbie Wright, is here to tell us all about the reasons why. Yes, that is right. This weekend kicks off the Deep in the Heart Film Festival, um, now Waco's independent film festival. It actually kicked off last night at Anthem Stories with their VIP night. Absolutely amazing, catered by Balcones along with Brother Well. What a great opportunity to meet filmmakers artists, all of the above, and really get involved in our community. The events will happen all weekend. There will be things going on, industry panels. I heard that it's also the 30th anniversary of Dazed and Confused, um, okay, which is exciting. Okay, this is, is the famous Richard Linklater, yes. seminal Texas film in the 80s set in Austin. Yes, and Jason London will actually be gracing Waco with his presence, which is so pink, exciting. Pink himself, <laughs> yeah. The famous pink. Yes, um, there will actually be a showing of the movie happening on Friday during the day. You can get tickets for that. Um, and then on Friday night at 645, at Cultivate 712, they'll actually be doing a interview panel with him um, to talk to him about the movie, talk to him about the anniversary, um, working in independent films in Texas, um, and just some of his industry standards and um, working with famous people. This festival, Debbie, has been spearheaded by Lewis and Sam, who have been guests here on Downtown Depot before. They just sort of realized driving around, I think it was seven years ago, hey, Mm -hmm. Waco's big enough, we should have a place for people to watch films, and these are not all highfalutin, highbrow films. These are things that are very accessible. Yes, of course. They have everything from comedy, documentaries, and then especially with their screenplays, um, it's also a competition. So people can just submit their screenplays. um, And I believe one of the ones from last year is actually currently in production, which is absolutely amazing. Beth Richards, who you hear here on KWBU, who also runs the Brazos Theater, she will be coordinating one of these groups reading through screenplays. There are a ton of ways for folks to get involved, but If you really want to be in the mix, you want to spend time with the filmmakers, you want to go have an all-access happy hour at Stay Classy, you should probably get VIP tickets, right? Yes, and VIP tickets are only $150, and that gives you basically unlimited access. There are so many events and things you're not going to want to miss out on. Um, So other than the VIP night that's happened last night, There's also going to be unlimited drinks at Stay Classy, I believe. Now, unlimited, I don't know if that does have a definition or not, but um, I know they will be having beer and wine. And then in the evenings, so Friday night, Southern Roots will be having a game night, which they're most infamous for. And then on Saturday night, it is the Beer, Brats, and Bulls at Brotherwell Brewing. Debbie, you mentioned at the beginning that this has been known as the Deep in the Heart Film Festival, now the Waco Independent Film Festival. You've gone for the last few years running. 
it does seem like the community is starting to recognize what a special event this really is. Yes, definitely. And after going for three years, it's been so amazing to see the development and the community involvement. And again, just getting this opportunity to really showcase Waco in a way that hasn't been shown before in such a unique and tangible way for everybody to get involved and see some awesome films while doing so. Debbie Wright is keeping the downtown beat in order for us here on Downtown Depot. Thank you so much for telling us about the film festival this weekend. Yes, of course. We're looking forward to it. And now it's time for the business review with CJ Jackson. Adverse decision. I'm CJ Jackson, and this is the business review. Thousands of decisions need to be made every day, ranging from the mundane to the complex. Those who seek cognitive closure tend to be averse to making decisions. Ashley Otto, assistant professor of marketing, explains why some team members prefer closure over decision making. People who are motivated to achieve closure like structure, they like consistency, they like a place for everything and everything in its place. So thinking outside of the box, trying new things, going out on a limb is probably something that's not going to be of particular interest to these individuals. What some of my newer research finds is that when they're exposed to new contexts, so something that they haven't encountered before, they haven't made a decision that's related to this certain context, that they're willing to invest more effort into the decision the first time so that in the future they can revert back to that decision. According to Dr. Otto, simple questions can be used to assess a team member's level for closure. Individuals with decision-averse tendencies can benefit from strategies that encourage them to think outside the box. So you could ask them, do you like to make to-do lists and cross things off your list? Are you a person who likes structure and you're really organized? And these types of questions, when the response is yes, start to give us an understanding of whether a person's hiring for closure and naturally going to be more decision averse. When we're asking people who are seeking closure to be innovative, one of the things that might promote that is to put them in a new context where they don't have structure, they don't have something known to go to. Allow them to find that and create, um, and we might see them be more successful in those types of environments. Business Review is a production of Livingston and McKay and the Handcammer School of Business at Baylor University. The Business Review can be heard every Thursday during Morning Edition and All Things Considered on Waco Public Radio, KWBU. I'm now joined by Catherine Turner-Pearson. Catherine is a registered professional archaeologist working in Central Texas. Welcome to Downtown Depot. Thank you for having me. Before we got on air, Catherine, you were telling me a little bit about being a young girl going to your father or grandfather's drugstore in downtown Waco. I can tell you've been in the area for a while. What is your Waco history? I am a third-generation Wacoan. I grew up um, in the Midway School District back when it was rural. It wasn't as built up as it is now. The entire time I was at Midway, they did nothing but build schools. But it used to be quite small and contained. And then my dad had a uh, a landscape ar- He was a landscape architect, and he owned a nursery, Waco Nursery here, that had a wholesale and retail nursery. And then my grandfather uh, and my grandmother had Turner Drugstore at 13th and Austin, 
which was the last of the old-timey drugstores with the soda fountain. So we hung out there a lot. There's a, a lot of Waco history. I still run into people who tell me, I remember my first date was there, or I skipped out of Sunday school because of all the downtown churches, and we snuck over there when we read comic books and used our church money to drink sodas, you know. And these are some of our leading citizens in Waco now, so there's hope for all of us. They all survived. And um, my mom worked for the VA hospital as an occupational therapist. Do you know what it was that initially brought your family to Waco? Was it just the opportunity for opening the drugstore? Yeah, my grandparents came. My grandmother was from Paris, Texas. My grandfather was from Hubbard, Texas. The family had been here since before the Republic of Texas, but not in Waco. And so they came after my grandfather finished school to be a pharmacist. He came to join Mr. Barnett, who had a pharmacy here, had three pharmacies here, and became his partner. Later, Mr. Barnett was much older. They split it up, and Mr. Barnett took one. My grandfather took the one at 13th and Austin, and then they sold one. One of them used to be the Baylor Pharmacy, and the other is where Barnett's Pub is. And uh, then the other is at 13th and Austin, which is now condos. Because you came from a family with history in the area, you probably grew up with an understanding of the importance of knowing your roots, knowing where you are. Is that what got you into archaeology? Absolutely. That was my father's uh, doing. He was Mr. History. I tried to get a lot of his thoughts on tape before he passed away because he was a walking encyclopedia of all things Waco history, and he had great stories to tell. And he was one of those people that when you went on a trip, he stopped at every historical marker, whether his children wanted to stop or not. So we would learn Texas history and he would quiz us on it. And so I got this great love for history. And then dad was a navigational archaeologist and he had joined the Central Texas Archaeological Society, which still exists here, and then also the Texas Archaeological Society. So he took me on my first dig when I was 13 years old. And then I started going to the meetings with him. So I was this little nerdy middle school kid who got to stay up late one weekday night a month because the meeting didn't let out until my bedtime. So I just grew up this little nerd that loved all things historic. There's a new Indian, Indiana Jones film coming out in the theaters. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm thinking of right now. You know, you've got your Sean Connery character, your father, and then you are the young Harrison Ford learning, doing things your own way, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I am a bit of a renegade, I guess. Have I blown your entire idea of what an archaeologist is? All your preconceived ideas went out the window when you met me. I don't exactly look like Harrison Ford. No, you don't. Yeah. yeah. You, she did drive up in a red drop-top convertible, blonde hair flowing in the wind. <laughs> Not exactly what I had pictured when I scheduled this interview, but I've just, I wanted to talk to you, and I've wanted to talk to you for years because I first got to know who you were when I was driving downtown by the river, and I noticed you and a crew of people digging some stuff up over by Indian Spring Middle School. Do you know what project I might yeah, be talking about? Yeah, that would be the... What Lapila, was that? The Lapila Fountain Project. Uh, we're still working on the artifacts from that. We had over 100,000 artifacts came out of there. Uh, that was part of the Caledos neighborhood. It was the historic Hispanic neighborhood for the Waco area. Before that, it was the range, which had been the red light district of Waco back when that was legal. 
And so the urban renewal took that neighborhood in 1950 and destroyed it, which is a sad, we won't go there, but that's a sad commentary on urban renewal. Uh, I've seen that so often. So the fountain had been like the Zocalo and the community gathering area. And so we were excavating that as a project working with the Indian Spring Middle School children and with the community. So that's a non-funded, generous, out-of-our-heart type community thing we've been doing that is taking longer than we would like, but we're working on it. But when it's all done, we're going to learn a lot about that community. Forgive me for being rudimentary, but why is it important to dig up old stuff? Well, you can learn from the past. So we, one, don't repeat the mistakes in the future, supposedly, though that's still out for debate. We seem to repeat our mistakes over and over and over again in our society. We just don't learn. But a lot of times we know we have oral histories of what people say, um, but the fish can get bigger, you know, uh, that water deeper, the fish bigger type thing. When we look at the archaeology of something, whether it's prehistoric or historic even, we can learn things that we didn't know before about that area. And we can answer a lot of questions, especially about the the prehistoric uh, parts of our community. So we can learn, you know, who was living here at the time and what was their life like back then. Uh, we now know that we think about the Paleo-American period, the oldest period we know in North America. We think that those people were all hunters and gatherers, you know, running across the United States, what's now the United States, North America, killing mammoths and mastodons. And, and now we realize that they ate a lot more small game, uh, that they were probably the great turtle hunters. And um, that makes more sense because that's a lot of meat. You know, so they were probably killing these really big megafauna more so they could have the hides every now and then to make shelters and things from them. So we've learned a lot. What is unique about Central Texas, whether archaeological or historical, geographical, geological? What turns you on about this part of the country? Waco, everything. Uh, geologically, you brought that up. We are sitting on a fault line, and it really makes it quite interesting because that fault line is one of the reasons we have the cliffs in Cameron Park, and we've got this wonderful Brazos River that just throughout its history had refused to be tamed, and even now I wonder if we've really tamed it. It seems to want to claim our dam every now and then. Um, You have half the county is Blackland Prairie, and half is part of the uplift, and it's in the cross plains. So geologically and the ecology here is not even the same from one part of our county to the other, one part of our city to the other. Then because Waco sat right where they could cross the Brazos River throughout history, the prehistory of the area goes all the way back to the Paleo-American period. Um, this was a wealth of, uh, of wildlife and water 
in Texas that they could take advantage of. We had all these streams and tributaries that were flowing at the time into the Brazos River floodplain where they could get fresh water and have small game and fish. And, you know, the Native Americans, the the Waco Indians were located right here with uh, four or five villages in one big chiefdom right here. Um, And then through the history of Waco, you had people being able to cross the Brazos, which was their gateway to get to what is now South Texas, but it was into Texas and Mexico. So this was a very important spot, which is why they built the suspension bridge here, was to help us cross the Brazos here. So it's got this rich history um, throughout Texas history and before that is is not duplicated anywhere else. And then now you go to modern times, we're sitting smack dab in the heart of the whole state. And so it's great for commerce. It's great for people. I love growing up here. I could zip to Dallas for something, zip over to Austin for something. I never felt that I was too far from whatever was happening in the state of Texas. And that is something that's been, I think, helping our economy grow here in McLennan County and in Waco. Uh, It's uh, a vast historic thing, but it's also changing right in front of us. And then the best part about Waco is the people. I work off and on throughout my career. I've worked from home, but working for companies in Dallas, Austin, as an archaeologist, and I run into these people from other states. Um, and I run into people from other cities, and they'll have come here for some event, and they'll go, I understand now why you love it, because they will talk about how friendly everybody in Waco is, how helpful they are, and they just love it here. And so that's, I, I have fought to keep my career going and stay in Waco, and it's not been easy. You're hearing from Katherine Turner Pearson, a registered archaeologist here in the state of Texas. Have you ever read the book Seronia? Yes. Yes, I have copies. <laughs> so so I, I just recently learned about this. I saw oh, yeah, a copy yeah, at my yeah. sister's house. So Seronia apparently was a very lascivious tale about the social life in Waco. And apparently it's not super readable anymore. Um, but... I wonder what your your thoughts are on that book as a historical document. Okay, my my dad talked about this a lot uh, from the Camerons and stuff. And evidently, at the time they wrote it, they were changing the names to protect the guilty in the book, but they didn't do a very good job of really hiding who they were. Everybody knew who they were talking about and what the real names were. So it was, oh, yeah, it was quite the scandal. Um I think it's hilarious. Um, I, I think I, I have a great appreciation for good novels, and I think some of the best ones are, are based on fact. I would not take it as a legit this is um, fact because, like all authors, he probably took a little, um, you know, political license, so to speak, so he could— uh, make it a little more interesting. And he was trying to bring out the very worst of each person to make them more interesting characters. But it is a good read. I still enjoy it. You mentioned the location of Waco and the centrality of it. 
I'm a supporter and volunteer of the Texas Parks and Wildlife System. I love the fact that we have three state parks within an hour of us. We've got Mother Neff State Park, which was the first state park. We have, of course, Meridian State Park. And then to our east, we have Fort Parker State Park. And this really is an important piece in telling the story of Native Americans in Central Texas. And we have brand new now, we have Palo Pinto State Park, uh, which I have not really gotten to go explore yet. I can't wait until I have the time this fall probably um, to get up there and really explore around. Um, the I know Tony Lyle, I'm giving you a shout out, Tony, with Parks and Wildlife here in Waco did a lot of work identifying all the archaeology sites there and really working to get that up and running so that we could open that park. So we've even got another one now that's supposed to be really phenomenal. Um, so the Parks and Wildlife System has done a very good job of protecting a lot of the archaeology sites so that we have them for the future. And uh, a lot of good work has been done by the Parks and Wildlife System. You know, it seems to me that for as unique as having a herd of Colombian mammoths is in Central <laughs> Texas, it doesn't get talked about enough. I know. You know, I've traveled around and even talking to other archaeologists. Of course, let's be clear, that's a paleontology site. But I talk about it and there's people who don't know about it. And it's like it's the best kept secret in Waco. And it shouldn't be a secret. It is a national monument, um, national park, if you would. It's officially a national monument. Anyone listening who has not been over there to the Waco Mammoth Monument to see this should go. And if you've got kids, they will love it. Um, and they do a lot of um, activities for the kids there from time to time. It is considered the most important uh, mammoth site in the world. And it's sitting in Waco, and it's um, it's phenomenal. And there's, I think we're going to find other things uh, through time that are going to be just as important in McLennan County and in Waco. At the site, there are fossils in C2, which means they're still in the ground. So I believe there's something like 25 or 26 Colombian mammoths that are there. There's also a saber-toothed cat that's there. There's a and camel. They the, used to roam around here. The camel, exactly. And I had on Reagan King from the organization <clears throat> a, a few years ago, some very smart people think that there's a lot more that's oh, still yeah. to be uncovered there. Yeah. They, I know Baylor had done a lot of, uh, the geology department, had done a lot of um, testing with core samples and magnetometers, things like that. And they do believe there's a lot more. A lot of it has to do with funding. I know right now, um, that Dr. Yang that is working over there, Lindsay Yang, she is working with Baylor students. Um, she's with the Parks and uh, Wildlife, oh, not Parks and Wildlife, Texas. It's the National Park System. And she's working with Baylor. And they have little fossils of ancient turtles in one bluff, for instance, that they're trying to do some research on. And they're doing research with the mammoths that they've already excavated. So it's really cool. The only other time that I've seen you out in public, I saw you in the courtyard of Terrace Gardens okay. in downtown Waco. It's this little courtyard development, all facing an interior. That, to me, seems like a really unique space in Waco as well. It is. I, I think, if, if I'm trying to remember when that might have been, I think it might have, was it when I was there, I think, for sadly, for um, a friend's passing. 
and we were having a, a bit of a gathering there to kind of celebrate his life. But yeah, it's a it's a very unique setup there, and there's a lot of unique tight places like that in Waco. You know, that has been there a long time before. I like the way that little thing is set up where you have little places to live all with one shared courtyard. Apparently, the the houses that were there were at, I guess it was MacArthur, the the army base that had been here that was decommissioned, and a family moved these little cottages that I think were officer buildings that had been built in the 20s and teens, and they moved them over to Terrace Gardens. So it has this very cool old world feel inside this courtyard. Yeah, I actually have, um, I live in what used to be a men's only hunting and fishing club in Woodway that I grew up in. My grandfather was the original um, president of that organization. It had been one name and then it had to reorganize during the depression. And he was the first president with this men's only hunting and fishing club. I have one of the cabins from that that we fixed up to a house, and it's made of broken concrete from Camp MacArthur, the World War I Air Force Base, part of the tarmac. So it's a very unusual house. So, you know, you never know what quirky thing you might find in the Waco area. How does one find something of significance? Do you get a tip that, hey, there might have been something here, and then you just start go digging, or are you driving around Waco and you just have an internal radar that's pinging in your mind? Hey, I know that that looks like a good spot. I do have an internal radar that pings a lot. But um, sometimes people call um, either a college or me or someone and says, I think I have a site on my property. Can you come look at it? But m- probably 95% of all the sites in the United States and Texas is certainly no exception, is found from what we call cultural resource management archaeology where there's a project coming in. And if you have a project using any public land or public funds, or if there is a state or federal agency overseeing it, there is an antiquity law for you. And that's what I do. I dot the I's, cross the T's, keep everybody on track. So we'll go in, I'll pull a permit from the Texas Historical Commission in Texas. And we, for that project, will do an archaeological survey. And sometimes that means shovel testing. Sometimes we even carefully scrape with backholes if, if this has got deep soils. And we look to see if there's any archaeology uh, sites in the way of this project or any burials in the way of this project. If we do, then we do some testing to see if it's very significant. Is it important enough that we should do something about it before it gets destroyed? Either way, we record it. And then a lot of times, like I finished... Uh, excavating one in Williamson County not too long ago that was very important uh, that we found that way because it was in the way of a highway. So we, uh, what they call mitigated it, we excavated the part that was going to be destroyed to get all the science and the knowledge out of it. And that's how we find almost all the archaeological sites and we get all the information. And it's the government regulation that is overseeing it, the state and federal. The Taylor Museum, which is Waco's History Museum, has been shuttered for a number of years. There's always rumblings that it might be becoming more available to the public. But in a perfect world, what do you think the role that an institution like the Taylor Museum could and should have on Central Texans understanding and preserving the history of the area? Well, funny you should ask me that because I'm on the new board of the – it's going to be the Waco and McLennan County – Um, 
Taylor Museum of History. We're redoing it. Um, Ms. Taylor passed away recently in her late 90s, and she left a considerable sum for that museum um, so that we can make it uh, bigger and better than it ever was before. And so I think it has a very important role to show the people who live here, but also the future people. So we will be expanding the building, fixing the building, redoing all of the exhibits in it, uh, bringing some of them are out of date. We know more now. They'll all be brought up to date, and we'll have a first-class place for visitors to come and find out about the music, you know, about the history of not just Waco, but we expanded it to McLennan County so we can get the outlying areas too. Um, it's prehistory, it's history, and even kind of the more modern history. I mean, you think about it, we've had governors of Texas from right here in McLennan County. So, you know, that should be included, you know. Um, you know, we, I think about Ann Richards. She was um, a Waco girl, graduated Waco High School, went to Baylor University. We might want to mention that in a museum. So there's a lot of, um, a lot going on with that, and it should play a big role for the community, for school children to come and learn about their community, and then to also educate our visitors. Catherine Turner Pearson is a registered professional archaeologist working in Central Texas. Thank you so much for coming on Downtown. Oh, it was fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Catherine Turner Pearson, Debbie Wright, and you for tuning in to episode 154 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. You can find me in between episodes on Facebook and Instagram at Waco Business News. And join us back here on the first Friday of August for another conversation with an inspiring small business owner, civic leader, or engaged citizen sparking Waco's renaissance. I'm Austin Meek, and you've been listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Thank you.